Carlito. Manny, you dragged <laughs> us in here. <laughs> we are back for part two of engineering, and we are talking to Larry and Brian. Brian and Larry from Waddell Engineering at Waddell Engineering. You guys are on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah, if you just Google, you'll find something. Tinder. <laughs> You're fine. I, I don't know if people are looking for engineers. On, uh, well, I'm, sure, engineer I'm, sure there, I'm sure there's lots of women Some on Some stiff there. beams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're there. No song for part two because we just only have one song, which is totally fine. It's totally great. It's all good. Don't worry about that. Uh, I, I kept thinking the, a yellow submarine for DeWalt there. Go ahead. You want to upset DeWalt? Go no, ahead and no. upset DeWalt, okay? That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. We last left it where we were actually talking about the Mennonites, and we were talking about that, and that got me thinking, you guys have tackled beam structures. Have you talked? Like timber frame? Yeah, timber, timber frame. Framing. Yeah. Timber frame structures. We want to know more. Tell us more, because I only know what I know from watching the movie Witness. Another <laughs> 80s movie, by the way. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> timber framing has became popular again. Uh, a lot of people want to put timber framing details on the front of their house. Great rooms. Get into a lot of restoration projects with the timbers. Take a old timber frame barn, relocate it, and make something fun out of it. So whether that's just like a party room or a wedding venue, some will use it for businesses. Some people love that old timber look. And What is the structural strength of that old timber? Like, I mean, we're talking timber that's what? Eight inch by eight inch or 10 inch by 10 inch. And 12 it's by 12, 12, bigger. What species of wood are we talking? Varies by location. So it's kind of whatever the dominant tree was in that area is whatever. So it's fir, hemlock, pine. It used it's, to be Douglas fir one time here in Canada. Yep. Well, there's yep. no more, right? So Yeah, so was, you know, more of the first ones were the Douglas fir. As you cut down more trees, then you had to find what was local to, to do the job. Spruce. Spruce. <laughs> and, and so what is that strength? How, how strong is that timber? They've, they've lasted. They're century barns, right? So they yeah. last 100 years already. So as long as they're in good shape, then, then we will continue using them. It's a shame to hear that they're using it for party rooms when they still have structural integrity left. Well, they'll use the timber frame as a structure. Okay. So it's not just for like facades and you know, stick on fake uh, timber, it's actually holding the building up. Does that mean that you guys will engineer how to do plugs, wood yeah. anchoring systems instead yeah. of carriage bolts and lags and so on? Yeah, it's more mortise and tenants, it's called. So, so you uh, guys are actually engineering those specs? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we wow. Use and that's all done in the computer in the same program? We'll use the, the software for the overall structure of the frame. So we'll draw up a whole timber frame building in our uh, RISA software. The connections are, are done on a separate software. I'm sure the contractors that are actually doing all the timber framing for you guys, they're using that badass Makita 16-inch blade, huh? That's, now we're talking. that's the only one. Now we're talking. Oh, I love that one, man. <laughs> Honestly, I love that one. Oh, you know I just bought that new warm drive from Makita. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's actually a tough saw to like operate, huh? That's like Yeah, a, I seen it on site. and I was Have you guys ever tried it? No, I didn't try it. Oh, it's, it's hard. It's like, yeah, it's it's hard, man. Have you tried it? Yeah, it's hard. That's just all I'm saying. It's just that you got you to, like, like any tool, let the tool do the job. The problem with that tool is that it's a big tool that you think that you actually got to add some strength to it. No, don't do that. Yeah. Just let the tool do the job like every other tool and every other job. Just you don't want a blade tool. like that binding. Uh-uh. 
No, man. So what else do we want to know about timber? Like, I mean, I'm fascinated by that. You know, a lot of it's all still done by by hand and or the or the big saws there's you know different tools for the different applications and you know there's a the tenant machine which is this a wide chainsaw that cuts into the cuts into the beam you mean that the vertical chainsaw yeah wow it's eh? like a i don't know the whole details of it I, we did a timber frame a couple of years ago where it was all brand new wood and i went out there met the guys there had a kind of i was curious to see how they were doing the tenants and the joints and all that and then when they were actually uh doing the raising of the barn then i went out there that day to learn how it all gets together that's got to be magical man i want to experience that was the sun at a certain point and were the like the seagulls flying over at a certain time it's a a different kind of uh (laughs) timber raising as as uh as it's shown and witness it's uh (laughs) done done with cranes and and oh it's not it's all it's not all manpower eh no like there's one project that we're working on right now it was done with all manpower oh or like when they're when they get ready to do the the timber frame after the world starts up again and they have big groups then it's going up with horses and and that is so cool that is that's real engineering yes that's exactly it Uh, but yeah now it's all done with cranes and lifts and oh it gets rid of the romanticized aspect of it man but they're still using the big the beam mover what's that the 30 pound sledge Oh, <laughs> ah, the yeah. beam mover. It goes a yeah. long way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or they'll be using the uh, the telehandler, finesse it into place. I do uh, a lot of whalers when I do trenching. That thing comes in. Thirty pounds can really go a long way. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of sweat and blood, and it'll get into place. <laughs> I want to get into a little bit of life safety. And am, am I fair to say that you guys are actually doing structural tie-offs on roofs? This is something that's been brought up with Mark and other roofers that it's not in the code regarding residential. Yeah, and you have to go up there and do it illegally to make it legal. I don't get that. You can ask the inspector next week. So trying to get a Ministry of Labor guy in here. So you guys are doing engineer tie-offs on roofs? or On no? commercial. Commercial spaces. Commercial spaces, uh, engineer tie-offs when... Uh around equipment they're doing maintenance or doing any type of work around it right what's involved with those tie-offs what are you guys actually anchoring those so how does that work the one factory that we do a lot of work at we're just bolting there's a d-ring that you can buy that's already rated and you bolt that to something heavy (laughs) (laughs) so So if i see carlito on the roof i can bolt it to him yeah no (laughs) it's going into the structural columns of the building w I don't know what they are. W24s at like 80s. They're How big. big are these D-rings? You just buy them. Just just buy them and uh, they're not too big. Basically the same D-ring that's that you would, the D-rings that you tie off into in a, a Skyjack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's really. Just, that's like it, that huh? size. Yep. Back in the days, not the 80s, but the uh, oh, 90s. Oh, here we go, man. We're the same uh, age. <laughs> yeah, but this was in the 90s. I used to do high-rise window cleaning. I could only go to like 21 stories in a, in a, in a bolton chair. But guys were tying off to like air conditioners and machinery up at the top. And sometimes these ropes would slip under and the guys would die. Then we started getting engineers coming up and putting posts in and then waterproofing them. And then finally we had two anchor points, one for the main and then one for the safety, right? Why are all your stories involved death? (laughs) Because most, most construction jobs are, you know, they're dangerous, man. And that's why the safety, that's why we talk about safety. That's why we talk about minimum code. Like, if we don't have those things, you're going to die or your family's going to die or someone else's family's going to die. There's death everywhere, oh. man. <laughs> what kind of rigging are you guys doing? Because I know rigging from film, but what kind of rigging you guys are doing? 
We do like spreader bars and lifting beams. And what's a spreader bar? Just do it. When you lift, when you do a lift, you have a, comes out a triangle and then it drops down straight. So when it changes that angle, you need a, a spreader bar to spread the, the, the cables. Okay. So like when you're, mm-hmm. so when you're lifting a truss and the truss is 80 feet, you have a spreader bar on it to pick up multiple points on the truss. Okay. Now I understand. Yeah, you, yeah. Usually when I'm, we have like this big D ring that's welded together and then we have like a couple chains off of it. We could put on a backhoe or a, any, any kind of machinery that could lift it. And then we just kind of spread it and we can. Your engineering truss is 80 feet long? Yeah. They're... Well, they just said 100 foot in that yeah, one you can building. Order, you can order, I think 100 and 108 is about the max. Yeah, because transport. Right yeah. They're a two-ply truss, depending on the, the application, 24 inches or 48 inches. They're expensive. They're big. Yeah. They're easier to set up than an 80-foot truss. They don't move. At all. They, there's no deflection. They don't move. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're rigid, yeah. That's designed by the trust companies. So uh, why is it that tech. we get uplift sometimes because the trusses aren't actually perfect? Or is that the manufacturer? When you'll actually put a truss in and all of a sudden you connect it to your walls on the second story, but then you'll have a gap on certain interior walls from the center. So that means that the truss is actually not sitting perfectly. It wasn't manufactured perfectly and there's that gap and that's where you get the drywall uplift on residential homes you guys never seen this before i thought you were talking about like uplift Uplift brackets yeah no well you get actually uplift it's actually in the test right as well so you have to know uh, how to handle the uplift point right so you'll build all your walls at the same height because you're using dimensional lumber and then you'll drop your trusses onto your structure to start building your roof and you'll notice that there's a gap there's a space between the center walls, the interior walls to the bottom side of the, of the roof truss. And so is that a manufacturing thing that they're assuming that there's going to be a little bit of dead load pushing that truss down and eventually. Oh, you mean con- the belly you're talking yeah, about? The yeah, the belly, right? So it'll connect, but then you'll, you'll see our framers fight that and try to get them to connect, but then they, they don't connect perfectly. And then you drywall and then a year later you'll see cracks. Gotcha. So that's why when you tell me that the hundreds are like dead and they won't move, I've seen trusses move. There's give to them, but like they won't bow like an 80 foot truss when, when you're standing them up, when they're not secured, right? 80 foot truss will have a certain bow to it. And when the wing catches it, it bows a little bit more. Yeah. hundred foot truss is solid. It just. So why I is guess. that a hundred is solid versus an 80? What's the difference the, between the 20 feet there? The hundred foot is a two ply truss. That's the reason why. So why don't we just make the 80 footer two ply truss? That's just cost. kill cost. cost. Okay. All right. At a hundred, it's worth it, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too, too flimsy to ship is basically or install. Basically anything over 90 feet goes to a two ply truss. And you're talking two ply. It's basically an LBL. Yeah. It's, yeah, it it's, it's a big, it's a big, there's <laughs> a lot of structure. Yeah. yeah, that's massive. Are you still, is it just like it's cut down LVL to fit all the shape of the truss or, and it's still hammered with those plates or is oh, it? Oh, like the truss is nor- dimensional lumber. Oh, it's still dimensional lumber. Yep. But you're doing two. And you get the larger spans. It, it's all mechanically graded lumber. They get the higher levels in it, higher strength levels. What's, um, what's that mean? I've never come across mechanically graded lumber. What's that all about? I want some well, now. What is that? <laughs> it's just like regular lumber, but they use a machine to check that it has the right load. Yeah, ABC, so, right? Yeah, it just they double check. What do you mean ABC? Well, you can, buy, other you, can, you can buy you can buy you can buy lumber. You, you can buy like when you go to grades, you go to a big building store. When you're grabbing lumber, you got to look at the numbers of it because you know engineers will spec 
certain wood lumber at A for structural or C for just cosmetic basement walls, right? What's mechanical? Like regular lumber and they check it by... Uh, so then it has like, it. there's your like 1800 rating, 2100 rating, just the stress ratings that they test. So a to. mechanical two by four is a lot stronger than a regular dimension. Omit, you're just more confident in it, right? Because you've already load tested it. So it's already been load tested, so you know it's that strong. Another one that you don't haven't checked with mechanical, then you might not be that strong, right? You're not sure. You might have defects. You might have whatever. Oh, where does one get mechanical lumber from? The trust companies. The trust companies, when you know, there's certain applications when we're reinforcing trusses that will have to grab two by eights that have been tested. Well, you're uh, wearing a hat for one of those companies that you can go get that. <laughs> <laughs> there's one no of cam- my favorite stores no for here. structural, yeah, for no structural here, lumber. I, I go to Home Hardware for all my structural lumber. Uh, where a lot of our contractors will go for, like agricultural contractors will go to Home Hardware. Yeah, you know, I love we the kinda, When someone says, I can't find my material, we're like, where are you buying your material? And they say the big box places. And It's not true, though. You got to do special order at Home Hardware. They're already in stock. It's already there, yeah. Yeah, there's hangers in there that you would never believe that would be in stock. Well, I walked into a Home Hardware in the downtown core, and I was able to, if I wanted, to pull off a 16-inch, 36-foot long LVL. They had that in stock. Yeah. That's just craziness, man. That is crazy. I love that. <laughs> That's craziness, man. Yeah, I know we had one client call up and said, hey, I, the lumber you spec isn't right because they can't find it in the store. And I was like, well. What store? It was like, you can't find an 8x8 post. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe you need to, to go to another place and uh, go to it, right? Like, Speak to a reputable contractor or you know, engineer that knows where to go instead of what you've been paying attention to from the TV shows. And it might be a Portuguese store. <laughs> well, there are a lot of Portuguese at these places. So what are you saying? I'm saying I go to a lot of Portuguese stores. Yeah, um, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with those places either. It's just, you know, some places are more geared to consumers and other places yeah, are... to contractors. You know, like, yeah. you know, when you're talking like Rona and stuff like that, there's Rona's that are geared towards contractors. Yeah, and, yeah and the smaller that. ones that you're No, you're, that's a great point because yes. like... Say Home Depot, that's not, it's for contractors, but it's like lipstick contractors. Like Home Hardware is for like real, not that they're not real contractors, but more structural contractors, guy that, guys that really think outside the box, right? I'm sure if, you, if you're dealing with, you know, those Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and you're a contractor and you go in and you put your order in, and the truck shows up to your place with that material order right yeah I'm sure you yep. can order everything yeah but you want it yesterday right you don't want it six weeks from now. <laughs> uh what do you guys think about icf you know, yeah. <laughs> we've done a bunch of icf yeah. homes they have their benefits as well i've never uh, tackled one so i've never done i know you have yeah i've never done one you guys like them or it's concrete so it's solid we work with a couple contractors that do icf even the icf garage slabs so you can have your little room underneath the garage that you guys love so are you are, are you using integraspect is that what you guys are using yeah there's a there's a couple different manufacturers that have a, a similar yeah because i just it. heard like recently now they have a new icf flat roof yeah so that's kind of interesting to hear that you know an icf get, flat roof yeah so it's all it's now completely like at an envelope a like concrete roof with styrofoam yeah structural engineers would that work yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh? yeah. It's just like a floating slab, I guess. Well, it's all about forming yeah, I, underneath it, right? Uh, slab, and then it has uh, 
I guess almost like eyelets underneath it. Oh, really? Or 25 M rebar in them. And yeah. Oh, you'd put 25 in the roof, huh? Yeah. It's like yeah. a raft slab. It's like it's got your, your concrete oh, beams. Oh, I know it. what a raft slab is. So. I was downtown when they were doing that one. Huge raft slab, man. <laughs> I was so, you're like pouring truck after truck after truck, and it's okay, not Okay, man, he's happy again. What? I'm just, like, I was actually down in that pit with all that rebar, and I was, it was like a spider web, man. I'm like, holy, this is all going to be concrete in the next five hours? 19 hours later, man, they were finally getting to the top of the raft slab. Yeah, there's like wow. 10 concrete pumps pumping <sighs> and trucks this galore, right? Oh, you see the sunset, you see the sunrise, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that was actually a pretty interesting experience. I guess that's a consistent pour, right, still? Yep. Are they vibrating that? Yeah, they're vibrating that. Eh? Yeah. I, I wish everyone could have saw what I just saw. Like, like all three of you, are, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> heads bobbing, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do we have to uh, look forward to in the next few years uh, for the contractors listening to construction changing in houses? Most of the minimum code is more for energy efficiency, more for our values. That is kind of the main things. That's kind of the thing that's been driving the code. Yeah, because we used to build two by four walls and that got changed to two by six because we needed a greater R value, right? Yeah. It wasn't a structural change. You could still build a house, structurally speaking, with two by four lumber, but we're not meeting the required R value in a two by four cavity. As, as the structural requirements, most of them have stayed relatively constant. I guess the one thing that does change in the engineering end of it when it comes to being a green home is the farther the, the span between the studs, the more R value or the more thermal break, right? So a lot of guys think that building a house 12 on center or 16 on center is better. But if you're trying to get more energy efficiency, 24 is, is the best. Uh, is there a wider, is something changing with like a wider studying so that you get a better thermal break? I think if you're talking about the thermal break, it's more of on the exterior insulation that's right. solving that issue. Going farther than 24, then you're going to have problems with, you know, drywall and spanning and all that yeah right but if you're spanning your two by four verticals more than 24 you're compromising structure at that point no wouldn't you have to reinforce it talking about blocking and, and all yeah that. Like, 24 yeah, seems far for, well you're supposed to use 5 8 drywall on 24 on center right and then anything under 24 it's half inch i don't know yeah you're a drywall guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We designed a lot of farm buildings. And when you mentioned the code changes, like there's a farm code, right? And the farm code's like really, really small. It's not really a big code, right? So mm. they you keep guys talking. have a farm code? Really? Yeah, yeah, there's a farm code. Yeah, there's a national farm code. We've, Did you know that? Yeah. Uh, I, I do know that <laughs> you can't build anything on your property if you don't have a, a living quarters of a thousand square feet. That's what I do know for sure. So you have to have one living quarter a thousand feet before you true? build anything depends on i like catching them in lies yeah <laughs> there's not lies for, for, for most things like if you're just if you have a small property and you just go build a shed first depending on on the township they don't like that they like to see a, a dwelling first then um, okay but again there's uh cases where you know we'll go build, build a shed mostly because the guys have multiple properties i think if it's more of your like a two acre property yeah you can't build a shed first yeah, it, it has to go uh, how big the property is. Okay. I was even talking about barns and so on. Yeah. Like, oh, it's barns and that? Yeah, you can go build whatever barn you want. Even without a home on the property? Yep. I, I guess that's because of the animals then, because it becomes a farm, right? Yeah, and, and you're building, you're not building a barn on two acres. 
you're building barn on you know 100 acre well property. you guys sound like you'll be building a two <laughs> two acres a two, a two acre barn <laughs> okay okay you you guys have said my favorite word so many times i got to bring it up man how would oh. you guys build a shed oh <laughs> a shed i honestly think that canada is lacking in the shed department and when i go to the big box stores and i see those rows of Pisa sheds out there, you know, because I don't know. There's some pretty cool sheds out no, there. No, they're garbage. The ones that are the, prefab that you just buy and you try to assemble. They're cool looking. No, they're ugly. Okay. The, How the would problem you guys... with those prefab ones is that there's no documentation on it. And uh, so if you're like yeah. the roof and all that, it's not engineered. It's true. So if you build it and it collapses on you, then what? And the other thing too is, you know, as soon as you go over a 10 by 10, that needs a building permit. Building code. 107 square feet. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, so, you know, if you're looking at those, those, and I don't know, well, there's a lot of products that they sell in that store that doesn't meet code. And this show and, is brought to you by that store. <laughs> uh, so how would you guys build a shed? Cause I know there's I, different ways of building a shed. If I was building a shed, I think it'd be cool to do like the timber frame and then put sip panels on it. And then it would cost a bit more money, but, and that's not a typical shed, but I think it'd be really cool looking. Are you guys so. putting it on a, con- a concrete floating slab? Yeah. Or? Floating yeah? slab for sure. Yeah. Okay, but the floating slab wicks moisture up. You can put like a six mil poly under it, and, and then it prevent the wicking. Yeah, quite yeah, and then you're putting insulation on it because you're going to be heating the shed because it's yeah. going to be more of it than a shed. If you do in floor heat, it'd be nice. In floor heat in a shed, nice. I love That's, it, man. Nice. He just took That's, it to the next I level. Love it. <laughs> totally love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dope, man. He's going to be dreaming tonight. <laughs> No, that's that's a good shed, man. That's nice. Uh, You know what? Since I got you guys here, I've always had a problem with fences, man. I can't stand a one by six PT fence and why they're always built with four by fours on eight foot centers. Because after about five years, what do you get? Sagging, right? Why do we build that? Because what? The two by fours come in eight foot lengths. How would you guys build a fence that's going to last and the reason that I bring it up is because my neighbor came up to me today going, I think it's time to change the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, we don't design fences unless it's a fun fence where it's unique material. Okay, so what would be a fun fence, man? Because I want to know more about this. I like that. Fun fences. What was that? Didn't we do that fence that, what was that wood that was on it that's expensive? Thermary? <laughs> yeah. That's it, beautiful wood, dude. Yeah. Thermally it, modified ash or yeah, pine. Yeah, I believe so. It was... It's like three times the price of cedar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was? Uh, That's what it was. So that one had steel galvanized I-beams. Or was it stainless? Whoa. For what? This guy's got money. For the post? (laughs) Yeah. Really? That was for the post? Yeah. And then what? He was like sandwiching the wood in between the I-beam? Yep. Whoa. And that's not going to go anywhere, the galvanized, right? I think it was was actually stainless posts, to be honest. How did he get them into the ground? Uh, Hammered them or, or concrete? No, no, concrete foundation. And just dropped it right in. Dropped it in, yep. Wet set it. See, that's a fence, man. Now, this is where I do give the Portuguese credit. Uh, <laughs> steel rod fences, I love them. Steel rod fences? Yeah. The chain link? No, no, no. Like steel, nice oh, steel. seriously? Yeah, I love that. As long as it stuff. matches the green shingle roof? No. <laughs> green is out, buddy. I don't know. Just tell <laughs> that, that was to the in Portuguese. the 80s. I thought no. you'd like that. Tell that to the Portuguese. <laughs> I don't like it, man. You guys, okay, so Wonderland, for listeners that are not a part of Toronto or Canada, Wonderland is our Darien Lake, our theme park or whatever. What'd you guys build there? What'd you guys uh, structurally build at the Wonderland? I want to know. Did you guys build a so, ride? We didn't no. build a ride. We built some candy canes. Tell us, <laughs> tell us you built <laughs> a ride. Tell us you built a ride, man. <laughs> we built oh. some candy cane light. 
posts and just small stuff. Yeah. Small stuff to do. That with, had to be uh, structurally engineered. I think it's just because of the uh, the occupancy of the park and, and safety regulations. The kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did. They, they were like twenty foot tall candy canes. Oh wow. Whoa. So it was actually pretty <laughs> neat if you ever saw how they did it. But what they did too is they they brought in a, a vac truck and, and shot really. Yep, for the foundation and the way that they, they have them all pinned, marked out where on the map where they are. And so they actually have the foundations, you know, six inches underneath the stone, just filled with sand, stone. So when it comes Winterfest, they pull the stones up and there's a foundation to bolt the candy cane to. That's pretty cool. So they only bring it out seasonally. Yeah, it, like it was the first year for. Okay. And they had all this, all these decorations that needed to be worked on. So we did uh, the front entrance, they had uh, Santa Claus. And his reindeer, and you, you know, this you had to make a structurally. You sound guys structurally name. sound. You guys really <laughs> structural Santa. Yeah. yeah. Structural yeah, so, Santa. <laughs> so you you know the front entrance of the park. It had all the all the flags. Wow. What we did was uh, engineered a way to cut the flagpoles, weld flanges on them, and then bolt the flagpoles back in. So how'd you guys do that? And why? Put Santa up on it. We had to oh, put Santa. Santa. Santa had to be wow. there. Wow. Yeah, Santa had to go on there with the his reindeer. The he needed an approved landing spot. So you guys cut it off <laughs> and then re. How'd you guys connect it again? Weld flanges onto the. Just pipe. welded, huh? Yeah, and bolted off the connections. And then what were the candy canes made out of? There was a steel post inside them with a fiberglass shell on them. What kind of steel are we talking about? Like an I beam kind of thing? Yeah, or? this is an I beam. And then it's also at the tip. So who bent the tip? Many. They came. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were pre-bought from a manufacturer that builds giant candy canes. <laughs> yeah, and there's a bunch of other different things. And this yeah. must have been an interesting conversation at the office, huh? Yeah, and then there's their you know 40 foot Christmas trees that needed anchoring. How do you anchor a 40 foot Christmas tree? With a lot of counterweight. Counterweight. Is there a metal flange or no? This is a real tree or a fake tree? Fake trees. They lit up. They do a whole light show on them. They're all LED program to do but the rockefeller are, tree is real isn't yeah. it real yeah these are just kit trees okay i'm steel, just curious steel rings with with your you know kind of like your home christmas tree but bigger but <laughs> much bigger <laughs> that's a lot bigger so man. so they had your concrete ballast box those four by four by two concrete blocks the i don't you see them around usually like the the, the concrete plants run off blocks if you understand that I think so. Yeah. Okay. I know yeah, you're talking about. Yeah. So they about. had a bunch of those or Jersey barriers. Okay. Um, yeah. I was going to say New York, those New York corner barrier things or whatever. Yep. They're or, horrendous Or what you looking. see along the 401. Yeah. They're horrendous those... looking, man. But they're structurally sound, right? Yeah. So it was this, it was this mass that we were putting under the whole, and then there's a whole bunch of ties up into the canopy to, to hold it down. And then so I'll... do you guys have a, a, a lifetime pass again? <laughs> <laughs> no? no, no, no. You guys should have worked that out in the deal. It was a, the only part of the deal was go there, get to look around. And it's kind of cool walking around. That's there. not much of a deal. <laughs> maybe, maybe hop on a, a ride or two and, and leave. But and that was it. I hope you charge them double. <laughs> no, no. We, so candy canes, Santa, Christmas tree, and then, reindeer. And then a bunch of other just, uh, maintenance platforms, the light posts, all that fun stuff. Nothing to do with the mountain? Nothing to do with the mountain. <laughs> I was really curious if you guys did elevator shafts for residential homes and... 
something that Manny likes to do in a lot of his homes. He puts in glass on the floor so you can see from the basement all the way to the top. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because he doesn't talk much about some of his work, which is fantastic. So I'd like to talk about elevators and what we need to know if we're going to add them into a residential home. I don't know. Have we done any elevators? We've just done car lifts, like car elevators. Yeah, we'll, we'll put them in churches and stuff. Oh, yeah, right. So it, it's a car elevator? No. no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no. <laughs> that, pre- no. that preacher's got uh, a nice Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> going on there. Yeah. <laughs> so just at churches, they, they just want for their parishioners as they get older. So we'll just go in. We'll just do the structural around it kind of thing. So we'll just got to be a little sensitive, eh? Because you're dealing with such an older building, and then yeah. you got to find a spot that's ideal to put an elevator, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you got to cut into an older building yes. to build that. Oh, that's nerve wracking. I'd be a little nervous about that mm-hmm. as a contractor. Yeah. You make a mistake and all of a sudden start swearing. <laughs> yeah, that'd go really well. <laughs> what do we need to know about uh, putting glass in the floors or any certain specs that are. I know that was a specialty engineer. I had to go to a specialty yeah. exclusive glass engineer, man. Okay, but how does that affect their drawing then? Well, they factor in whatever framing that would be done as the perimeter. And then they take over from the point of the LVL framing. The glass engineer takes over at that point, the responsibility. So it's always going to be different per house. Well, they're going to design, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but you, they're going to design the opening as if you're just doing an opening for a staircase, let's say. So they'll tell you exactly what the LVL is going to be, double or whatever it is. And then there's anchors on top of that. And then at that point, the glass engineer takes over because they have to spec a specific glass and a specific angle iron that has to be done. Continuous, no welds. And the glass has to be continuous, double layer tempered with silicone in between the two. So if you break one, you still don't fall through. And a silicone will prevent that? The silicone prevents you from breaking both panels at okay, the same time. It's a cushion. Yeah. So you can literally take a sledgehammer to it. You'll break one, but you won't fall through. And then if you keep on breaking at it, you'll break the second one. Then you'll fall through. But at least you'll have time to get off of it, right? I don't know why you would want to smash that. <laughs> you wouldn't, right? But I'm just saying if it does happen, yeah. right, that there's a, there's a cushion there. And it's, a stru- and it's actually funny enough, it's structural silicone which I learned as well too. And I'm like, okay, this is all fascinating stuff. I, I am curious about the car lifts though. Like, you know, I got a normal garage. What do I, is there a footing that needs to go in on this or yeah. are, is the slab good enough already? A lot of those car lifts are just designed to go on a six inch slab. They have, they'll take that weight, really the weight yeah. of a car, a car is what? 3,500 pounds. But you gotta look at the base plate that's on that lift, right? So that base plate is like a 12 by 12 plate. So it's distributing the weight. Distributing yeah. the weight. So it's actually more volume underneath that than the car sitting on the concrete or square inch. Do I have to call you for that? Or is that if it's a new drawing, then you're going to put that in and you're going to say six inch slab, no rebar, and yeah. it's fine. Yeah, you're just installing other kits you buy. Okay. You put them in. I'm talking about more like the ones that are like go and lift the car down into the basement. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> we and I know we had to do like some sort of uh, lifting rig, so the the contractor could get the lift inside the building. Yeah, it's neat. Wow. There's yeah, the one elevator was actually could do two cars. You have one elevator and you have your two cars on it. It's kind of weird. Oh wow, it's, it's pretty neat. Do you have to have a sub pump or sub hole or anything nope. at the end bottom of that? This no? one didn't. This one didn't. But it was I think it was up. I think when we were doing that one, we were just looking at how to get it in the building. Well, you got to open up a section of the building to get it in there. That's not that bad. 
just break open. It's more section. of like how to how to, the rigging to lift it in there, where the you know the I think they had a, a large forklift and it had the beam structure built onto the forklift to take the point loads on the far side. Funny enough, is you guys ever done any work for some pretty big safes? So safes that we're talking about a human body can go inside comfortably, not like signs of lamps. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like big, Are right? you building like a bomb shelter or something? <laughs> that one's from the 90s, by the way. Right? <laughs> I actually did it and, and we actually had that conversation and the basement four inch concrete was enough for the safe. So the safe, I think, was 3,500 pounds. It was about three foot by three foot and it was six foot tall. The problem became when I put tile and they wanted tile underneath the safe. So we put the tile and as soon as we put the safe down, what happened? Cracks. Yeah. It's only thin set, man. I did full bond coverage and everything. Now, right? could you do California style and sand pack it? I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. so, man. I think the, it was the porcelain that failed. The concrete wasn't going to fail. So it became a question with the client. Do we remove the safe? Because it, it meant that you had to get the company back. They had to get it out of there, which was a whole fiasco. And then repair the tile and then put it back in and do it all. And they just said, forget it. The crack's not that noticeable. So we just, we left it alone, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense at that point. But if you guys, I know that I was recently at another job site and they told me, oh, guess by the way, look up. And I look up and I'm like, LVL, LVL, LVL. It was like, freak, man. It was so many LVLs. I'm like, what's going on above here? They're parking a safe. Wow. So they're parking safe on a second floor on LVLs, 12 inch on center. The LVLs were sistering the old lumber. And I was like, is that enough? I thought you would need steel because he was telling me it was a 5,000 pound safe. Yeah, it depends on the loads and the spans and all that, all that fun stuff. And it doesn't really matter if it's a safe or even a large oversized tub, right? You're just taking whatever the load is going to be of that that item and distributing it back to walls. And it's just about distribution at that point. Yep. And you guys calculate what the distribution is going to be, and then you calculate what the weight of that item is, and then if it, the numbers don't go over one or the other, then it, it's a okay. You guys stamp it and move on from there. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's interesting you guys brought that up because I would have thought if I was doing a, a washroom job on an existing home and someone wanted to put a really huge jacuzzi in there, I wouldn't have thought about calling an engineer. I don't I'll know. Why. Do I don't know why. I'll call an engineer anytime, man. Yeah. Have a conversation. Speaking of which, what do you guys charge per hour? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I know most varies. of you guys have a similar site visit charges, depending on how far the site is. If it's in within a certain like a half hour zone or something like that, and then there's an hourly rate or whatever, and then there's the actual depending redlining on rate. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the yeah. stuff was just quoted out different charges. And what is your penalty for redlining on a on penalty? a penalty? Penalty. Well, yeah, because like if I'm getting charged, like I've that's uh, a before with other engineers, guys have charged me five hundred dollars for something I thought that was already supposed to be in there, and I'm like, why am I getting charges? I already I asked, I thought you were gonna do everything I needed, and then they're like, well, no, that's not in there. And I've I'm seen like, site what? I've seen site visits from anywhere from three fifty to five fifty. Depends, right? Who it is and how far. Yeah. Lots of variations to that, and you know, if it's it's something simple, then maybe we'll just. You know, it's worked into, you know, quotes has a little bit of a buffer in it too, right? So if it's something small and takes no time, then it's, here you go. I right? think every contractor should contact an engineer, man. Seriously. Why do you want to risk it? Well, I mean, if you're doing a, I mean, you should have a relationship with an Removing engineer. Removing a wall. Why do you want to risk it? Oh, I would never do that without 
Yeah. Well, this it's a person's biggest investment, and if an insurance company finds that something was done illegally with no permit, you're not going to be covered by your insurance. And if you're not covered by insurance, you can't have a mortgage. Then the mortgage company will take your home. There's a lot of stipulations to this, and there's a lot Man, of penalties to it. Right to the dead bodies, eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, if you don't follow the rules, they give you rules to follow, and if you play the game properly, you'll win. If that's you why don't, I always yeah. contact engineers, man. I'd rather talk to the engineer. Than man, the he must call you a lot, no, eh? No, man. It's just, <laughs> I like having the conversations, right? Speaking of which, what is a tall wall? What do you guys consider a tall wall when you're double stacking two floors, like when you do 10, 20, 20 foot long? A tall wall that's unsupported, and usually it's in the great room around stairs. What's the concern with tall walls? It's it, we're back to lateral, right? Wind deflection. Wind, wind deflection. Hmm. Mm. Well, no, because generally speaking, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Those tall walls are generally in great rooms, which are overlooking the backyards, which are completely open, which will invite wind deflection and Uh, lots of big windows again lots of big windows which makes the wall weaker at that point then you guys try to explain to the client or to the architect or the gc well you got to add so much steel here because you've added so much glass in here right so you're making it's swiss cheese at that point and i'm like i'm out of here i gotta get a burger (laughs) (laughs) is that true that's how it works so you get clients give me more glass, give me more opening, give me more this. And then you're like, yeah, but I need this wall to still be strong. And then by the way, the clients will go put a deck out there too. And how are you going to tie a deck into this wall now? And that's a whole other fiasco, right? When we're getting into that a lot, it's on the custom homes and their, the custom home is already asking for a lot of things anyways. And it's, you know, it's going into like a steel, steel columns and steel beams in there. You know, you can't do it with wood. We do spec it on, on some smaller homes, but most of the ones that we're getting into it, they're, they need an engineer for the whole house anyways. Is there a, a way that you can structurally engineer wise modify a st- structural engineer truss? Or you're not allowed to do that because you can't compromise something that's already been engineered at one point. We do it all the time for like solar panels. Like people want to put solar on the roof. So you have to reinforce the, the, the existing because the existing choice. roof truss will not take the extra weight of solar panels. No. Because yeah. what happens is you put you have to weigh the solar panels, and then they're also if it was a slippery roof, you can't use the slippery roof factor. So you have to like take that factor out because it's not slippery anymore. And uh, there's a whole bunch of engineering reasons why when you calculate snow load and, and stuff. And the simple reason too is that that roof truss was designed to code with no extra in it. For yeah, for like it's a minimum, ha- right? Half inch yeah. OSB yeah, with it, with H clips. Five eights now. It was back then, half inch. It was three eighths back then. Back in, in the Mr. 80s. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just but, one of those things where, you know, if you're not going to spend more money on it if you don't need to, right? We so, all so, live in a <laughs> yellow submarine. That's 60s, man. Um, so what do you guys do to that truss? So if you got trusses that are engineered for that sheathing and, sh- and asphalt shingles on 24-inch centers, what are you guys, sistering them? Is that what it is? Uh, sistering them, adding plywood scabs to them. Plywood scabs to the connections. Oh, really? So you just take a whole piece, a sheet of plywood? Oh, no. Oh, just, no. You cut them to the size of the of the steel plate times two. Ah, I got you size, now. Okay. And, and sandwich it together. Speaking of which, since I've got you guys here, 
you guys got to give me the answer to this question because I've asked everybody oh. in this construction industry, right? And nobody's given me the answer to this question. I really need to know the answer to barbecue this question. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's not barbecue <laughs> sauce. I want to know why is it not called brothering and it's always called sistering? <laughs> Where does that come from? Why is it sistering? Is it that like, you know, the ship is a female? The car is a woman? You know, don't touch my baby. Like, it's like, don't take no my No one home. puts baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> He's been watching Dirty Dancing too much. So why is it called sistering and not brothering? Probably someone back in the day called sistering, and that's where it came from. I, I have no but that would have been all men on the job side at wait, that wait point. Wait a second. Back then, they were hanging out with their sisters up there. <laughs> yeah, because you go like help your sister out, and if your brother asked for help, you'd be like, you figure it out. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. It's true, yeah. Your I don't think it should really matter. I, I don't know if that's the... <laughs> The truth to it, but you know what? I'm I'm getting sick of like you can't call a manhole a manhole anymore. Uh, you know the sistering brother. Who cares? What are you gonna persering? Pers like person? Oh, what are you gonna call what? it? What? <laughs> you can't call it sistering or brothering. You gotta call it pers humaning. What? Well, they're like, changing what you... everything now. You can't. Oh like, come on! Like, really? Uh, yeah. Like um, you can't call a, a manhole a manhole anymore. They call. They, what do they call them now? They call them uh, access holes. Yeah, like access covers. They're taking covers. away like names that were maintenance. They're called maintenance holes. Yeah, yeah. whatever. I remember they calling them man manholes. Like, I mean, most of the guys were men working on them. I guess it, that's where most guys died. So, <laughs> again, death. <laughs> man, he's reading, so he's not paying attention. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just making mental notes, man. I want to know. So, okay, uh, I know that you kind of partially answered my trust question. Because I've been told by other engineers, you can't touch anything that's already been built and affixed into a structure the way it has been engineered. The moment you try to manipulate it, then you're compromising what it's been designed for. Correct? I think it's more like when you, as soon as you touch it, <laughs> as soon as you touch it, you're responsible Suck a fool. for it. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I also I also think for like a industrial factory, like the steel wood joists, the steel uh, open web steel joists they're there. Like a lot of them will just say, don't touch it unless an engineer looks at it and all this stuff. They just don't want their guys going in and start cutting webs, right? Because as soon as you cut a web, it's done. Right? You mean like plumbers do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> HVAC, yeah. HVAC, plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much electricians. Electricians, funny enough, is they're the only ones that always ask me if they can drill through an LVL. And they try to convince me that you can do that. Or drill through a truss. No, you can't drill through a truss at all. Yeah, what? but it happens. Who's doing that? The electricians. I don't know. They got a new drill and they want to test it out. I don't oh, know. wow. We've, we've had to do multiple fixes on. And what's the oh. repair on that? Scab alike size material onto it past the hole 12 inches with PL and yeah. a bunch of nails. Wow. <laughs> Just because some guy wanted to make a hole in it. We did this one, uh, it was a nightclub, and they, they put all new trusses in it. It had some roof damage. They put all new trusses in it, and they drilled lots of holes through, <laughs> through, the, through all the trusses, <laughs> one end of the building to the other end. So someone forgot locations. to go to the meeting. <laughs> were the lights on, or were they still shooting it while it was still operating? What's going on in here? Why would they do that? Yeah, there was a lot of holes in it, and then like seven on each side of the truss, basically. Like all the, I don't know if it was the security systems or, or something, but like, yeah, there was electrical security Aren't cameras. Aren't there like that. already spaces in the truss that they could have? Well, you'd think it'd be easier just to nail on top of the truss or run a runway. Yeah. Without, 
on the space. Do a little mini catwalk or something like that and run it that way. You would think that would be easier, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The client <laughs> wasn't too happy about it. Because then you guys have to scab every single one. Yeah. What are some of the nightmares you guys see on an ongoing basis that contractors are doing that you have to repair or re-engineer? I think a lot of it's just you, when you're in a renovation or whatever and you open up the wall and you find something unique in the wall. Uh, like what? Previous renovation that the homeowner, homeowner just did. and Like a load-bearing wall that has been removed or something or like a, a key structural member? Well, we'll just take the steel post here out of the way. It's in the way in the basement, right? Yeah, we yeah. had one client call up and said, "Hey, I want to take out the, I want to open up the wall in my basement." And there's a lot of posts in the basement. Why is there so many posts <laughs> in the basement? And the posts were like spaced every eight feet in the basement. And uh, we go there, and you could read the serial number off the truck frame that was holding up the house. <laughs> yeah, it was a truck tractor trailer frame. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Why would someone have like? That's not common sense either, man. Yeah, it was man. an older house. and So what, rubble foundation? Some no, it was a concrete. Fr- it was like a 60s house. That's like, so weird, man. All these posts underneath there. and It would span, right? It could span pretty far. Yeah. So, so what? They, he just, they just looked at it and said, oh, here's some I-beams. Let's get that cube truck in here. <laughs> yeah, some used material and let's throw it in. And That's they, crazy. They wanted the wall there anyway, so they're like, we're going to cover it in. Did it work? It was working. It, it, it worked that many years, and then it got replaced. That's so weird. Because you have to. Could that not be grandfathered in? We didn't run any calculations. The, the client wanted... I mean, I know, you know it's a stupid the, question, but I mean, yeah. it's already in there. I mean, that's a yeah. crazy move to pull that back out and pick up point loads. and. Yeah, he wanted posts at like... You know, wanted one post or, or, or no post, right? So it was... He wanted to open up that whole space anyway, so it was... Speaking of calculations, what is your margin of error? Like, how much more do you guys need to clear the finish line before you say, yes, this is good? Or is it just literally, like, right over the finish line? We're good. We usually design to code kind of thing. So, like, uh, so live load's 1.5 times live load. So you load stay on that route, okay. Yeah. For rigging, it's, like, five times, right? You always think five's a lot. That's a big number, but it's for rigging, right? You kind of want that. When you're lifting something heavy, you want that safety factor right so just in case so when i think about the 1.5 yeah that's not that much when you consider how much weight's going on these buildings right is it as frustrating as i'm assuming speaking to clients or designers i i'm grasping the idea that contractors kind of get you guys and want to ask you guys to get some answers but i just don't see any of this being appealing to a designer or a homeowner like this is not kitchen granite tops this is not shaker <laughs> cabinetry this no, is not no, no this is a cost and, and to anyone but this else is what but keeps a contract, your house up though to a contractor this is very interesting and very inviting because it's always about money for a designer this would become a headache it's going to get into their overhead cost and they're not going to make as much when an engineer needs to change something so how are those conversations at? dealing with the clients probably a, a little bit more unique just because they don't know what's going on right and now something they they find uh, a problem now they now they have to fix it now it's going to cost them money and and they're not really happy about it the the flip side of that too is they want to do some sort of project they don't know the whole steps or approvals that need to be involved to to do what they want to do and they're like oh we can just build this i don't need all this paperwork or i don't need all these contacts well i'll just go into the building department and have a chat with them and 
they'll approve it. It's not how it works. They really don't know that much of the building department, though. Like, they know enough. Am I wrong to say that? You guys can't answer that question. I don't think they know enough. <laughs> no, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. I could show you some pictures in my phone, and it's like, I don't even You're know. You're taking pictures of on your phone at the building department? No, no. I mean, like, what they're allowing to happen. Oh. Like, it's pretty crazy that these guys are supposed to be protecting all of us. Really, they're actually compromising us. That was Carlito, by the way. They're just going by what the, the Ontario Building Code says. and Which is the bare code. minimum, right? And That's what scares us. They're just referencing that. So, But the bare minimum is not really for the homeowner. It's for a developer. And that way they can make more money because like, if it was for a homeowner, it should be more. Like, If you're going to build it properly, it would probably cost 50% more, which means the client doesn't want to pay yeah, that. That's all for, about finding that balancing. Yeah. Right? Okay, so basically, minimum code is to keep the cost down. Yeah, yeah, and, sure and a is. lot of, and you, you know, you're talking about minimum code in houses, and and a lot of minimum, a lot of houses don't require engineering. It's all designed in that in the code that has their safety procedures in there for for like, as you can go size your your stud walls, your beams. It's really interesting you say that. I never really thought about it that way, but it's that's exactly it. That's true that you technically don't need you guys no if you're building a house the code is basically designed that anyone that wants to go build a house like you as a homeowner can read through the part nine of the code and build your house yeah and that's I, scary man you don't I, find that scary that's scary as we're still fixing houses from the 60s <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically in, in the code book it has your beam tables your span tables yeah, but you have to understand that also. And that's why you guys went to school to learn how to understand all that and do the math. Of, um, well, they actually give you those tables when you get your permit. It's attached to your drawings, right? Is it? Certain uh, why details. Would you need, why would, oh, details, yeah. Certain key details, like if, you're, if your house is a deck or if there's steps. Yeah, they what, all have their, their standards. Their standard details, right? Yeah. That's what they have. So that, that's, it's funny that I never really thought about it, that you technically don't need them. You can build a house on your own based on the building code. Which is still scary because that's minimum. So you're saying I could put a beam in under part nine, yeah. Part, part nine. nine on a brand new house, yeah. Wow. That's scary. Up to a certain length. As soon as it gets over to the tables only like That's go up fifteen so feet. Yeah. As soon as you so go over that you need an engineer. Under fifteen feet, I still have to pull a permit, but I don't need an engineer? Correct. That's yeah. scary. Yeah, so like you as a homeowner can draw up your own plans following the So I can get my crayons code. out right now. Yep. and make fruit loop marks and they'll pass yeah. it that's they, they may that's not nuts. you know some of the building departments may not accept <laughs> it so that's why you you could go to a, a designer with a bcin number oh I yeah love that, eh? and then well that's be, what i thought we the next step right that's what i've always used like i i have a girl that worked at the ministry and she got her number she went on her own i would get crazy great deals for door openings and for beams and stuff like that and it was really cheap where when i have to go for an engineer it's a little bit more expensive but there's a bigger stamp on it right which is a sealed deal and then what we'll do too is we'll work with designers so they'll be able to do 95 percent of the house and there'll be like a bunch of beams that they need spec and we'll just spec the beams or lintels and inspect them put an asterisk beside what we work on and stamp just those items not not holding you on a price, and I know we keep going back to price. I have an, a 20-foot beam. I want to do a pocket beam. What's an average cost? Not holding you on any exact numbers, but a two-story house, you know, maybe a washroom and a bedroom on top, and I want to do a 20... A, and is this on a new construction or a renovation? Renovation. Then you're talking about drawings, the details, all that. 
you're looking at, you know, 2000. Okay. That, that's, but you that's guys offer really, all that, right? You guys have it all in-house? Yep. Yeah. That's a really decent price. Yeah, it depends on like what level you're, you're going at, right? It's, yeah. It, I know, mean, I used to charge about five grand for a pocket beam, and now I'm getting into 7,500 bucks, and that's not no drywall. That's just remove, replace. You're and, an engineer? No, but I hire, I hire people to engineer it for me. I never do anything without a permit, right? Yeah, if you're just putting like, you know, if you're putting a six-foot door into a block wall, then, you know, it's not, doesn't require a whole lot of uh, documentation on that, right? So if you're doing major, major structural changes, then it all needs to be documented. Here's a question for you guys. Concrete block foundations. If the mason doesn't fill the cavities up as he's putting the rebar in, how much weaker is that wall compared to a concrete poured wall that has rebar in it? Because we're, no, we're told that we're supposed to fill in all those cavities to make it a solid block wall. But that doesn't happen all the time. I hate block walls. Does anyone build with block walls anymore? If you're doing additions and depending on if you can get to the back of it, if you can't get forming and you can, you can still get a mason. ICF. Can... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't run across yeah. the, the block walls on residential. You don't no, touch those, no. It's, it's solid poor walls, right? Yeah, when you're doing it, like when you're doing additions and you need an engineer, it's it's not a ten by ten addition. No. What's an ongoing price for engineering a walkout to a basement? No exact numbers, but very like you know close roundabout. What's What's interesting is some building departments have those drawings on hand, right? Like the city Kitchener has a drawing. If you they want do. that, they'll give you the drawing and then you go do it, right? You don't Get need... out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen it. So I've never heard that. If you wanted us to do it, then it would. we'd have to charge that, right? But so you're saying you can, go to the, you can go to the city and get it for free. Check your city first, but yeah, you'll yeah, be surprised. The they might have it. How do they connect that to your home? Not every home is the same. You're adding it to a drawing. So it's just like a flat rate, I guess. Yeah. All right. You guys ever work with helical? Helical piles? Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys like them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you yeah, guys we, use? Techno metal posts? Yeah, we work with one uh, deck builder, and that's how they do all their decks. Nice. Who's the deck builder? That would be the Gent Group in, in Kitchener, Hickory Dickory Decks. One oh, of, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're good. Yeah. I've used them before. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're really good, actually. So there's a bunch of contractors, uh, starting with the Gent Group in, in Kitchener, that are using it. You guys like them? Yeah, for they're, sure. They're yeah. top-of-line guys, yeah. Yeah, it's simple for the contractor, too, because he just wheels in with his equipment, Drills them in, builds a deck, and you know some of these decks are done in a day. No mess to the backyard, no soil removal. Have you heard about any swinging or swaying? I've, I've heard the, there's a couple of people complaining that there's a little bit of swinging. If they're building a swing set, yeah. No, no, I've, I've heard that they they move a little bit. No, I've never I've never experienced that, but I'm asking if you guys have. I want to hear it from an engineer's point of view if you've I, ever run into that problem. Or I've never seen that in a deck. We've done like, if you design like, if you're doing it for like a car dealership, we did a car dealership once. And when you do the helical pile, you have to do, you have to take care of that lateral. Yeah. So you have to put the helical piles in at an angle and connect it and just make sure it doesn't move. Roger did mention that when he was on the podcast. I'm asking them. Not, this isn't Roger. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a lot of time, those helicals, they're not coming above grade a whole lot to begin with than, you know, six eight feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, 12, or they hit solid ground, right? So there's uh, there's not a lot above ground that can move. We haven't experienced that. I'm sure even this, uh, you know, wood deck with wood posts would move a little bit. No, I've, I've used them in the past and I've, we never had a problem, but I just wanted to know because I've, I've talked to a couple of people and 
I don't know if they're just creating a rumor, if it was a fact. And that's why I wanted to ask someone outside the circle if they had any experience in anything bad. Yeah, we haven't seen anything. Like we that. haven't seen anything. It's no. good to hear then. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, you know, those guys are really loving them for uh, doing these new subdivisions, um, especially with, you know, backyards that fall. A lot of that soil is not fully compact by the time the deck builder shows up. They'll drill in until they hit their desired torque. And sometimes they're 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 deep in there. <laughs> they're deep in there. <laughs> yeah. No, they're like a great 20 product. Feet, yeah. They've had really good experience with them and they just do all their decks that way they don't even it's just worked into the price to do it that way it's faster so we we have a few homeowners listening and i guess a question that comes up a lot of times is if they were to open up a wall in their home and they ripped the drywall off what are the clear indications that it's a load-bearing wall how do we know it's a load-bearing wall the first clue is the thickness of the wall generally a two by six generally two by six or above a two by four isn't structural no but, I've seen, most but cases, I have mo- seen them. In most cases, it isn't, right? Yeah. What other clues? There's it, a sign <laughs> saying structural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to see there. <laughs> I think you just have to follow the loads and follow the point loads from the, from the house, right? So if there's a wall downstairs and there's nothing upstairs right above it, then it's just a partition. Yeah, well, that's also, if the basement's or, or not closed up. up. Yeah. I, I've also seen that if the floor joists rest on that wall, then that's a load-bearing wall, right? Most so case, if yeah. they if they the floor joists continue right through and they're not resting on it, then you're good. But there could be a surprise. There could be surprise. a couple a couple LVLs up there with some hangers, and you. Well, that's don't why see it's always them. a good idea to take out some of the drywall on the wall, but then take out some of the drywall yeah. on the ceiling. Two feet, two feet is yeah. good. Yeah, and then you can get a peek at it, and then you'll know right off the bat. Like we we yeah. would know you walk well, in. Well, my engineer, like the engineer that I use, he meets me on site. And I get the customer to pay for me to do exploratory holes. Yep. And he'll say, okay, I need you to bust out the concrete over here. I need to know how big the footings are. I want you to cut open in that corner. I want you to cut open the ceiling. And then me and him have gone through it because he doesn't want to do any of the work. I'm there right away with him. Yeah. Hand on hand. So you can't just go to a house and, and find and just look around and see where the low bearing walls are. You have to open it up and explore, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes we've done a bunch of, you know, single story houses and the roof is all stick frame. So all the ceiling joists land on, on the, this partition wall that's there. Another way to go about and, and, and explore and see what you need to do. But you need to open up. You have to. You have to open up. If you call us up and say, hey, I want you to look at this, you, you're going to be making a hole in the wall. I typically tell the homeowner 500 bucks. He usually makes about 350. I make 150 for doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you have to open things up, and if you're talking about doing a you know a renovation or construction, you're gonna have to open it up at one point. So you're not gonna say, oh, I want to take this wall out. Oh, it's low bearing. Oh, I'm gonna leave it. They usually want it out anyways. Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> floating slabs. How do you guys handle floating slabs, structurally speaking? When we talk about floating slabs, we're talking about uh, slabs on grade. And so it's one of our specialties is just doing like a floating slab for a garage. So we do up certain sizes. We do trailers. We do all types of floating slabs for buildings. I haven't done it yet, but I've seen it done is helical piles integrated with rebar for a floating slab. But that's not a floating slab anymore. No, it's a... That's a footing now. Our, our floating slabs, they, they kind of rise with the frost. So you want it to move, huh? Yeah. So we design it as like a, a raft slab. So, so when it lifts, it doesn't affect your building. 
And so when it lifts, it also you don't notice it as much. Are and you doing the perimeter thicker yes. that goes on an angle and then centers, I don't know, five, six inches, but then the perimeter is like 10, 12 inches or something? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's how you guys are doing it. Yeah. Basically. But, but even more important, what do we have to do before that? Like if it's not disturbed soil, are you okay with that? Or do you want gravel down and rigid styrofoam? Yeah, you and, take your topsoil off, go back to a clay base or whatever your solid base is. Um, and then usually we spec six inches of clear stone or, or compact granular. Put your concrete on top of that. Why do you guys want clear stone? Why not recycled stone? I want clear stone, but why not recycle? I think recycled holds more moisture. Is it? I don't know. And holds more frost that way. Let me ask the engineer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We like the clear stone because it's like compacted. It's like 100% compacted. You put it down and you don't have to... It's done, right? If it's recycled, I don't know. It might not be fully compacted. You might still oh, have to run and okay. run something over it just to make sure it's fully compacted. And clear allows the water out of there, which is yeah. the most important part, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Manny already knows this. He's just laughing at me. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna spray no, some I of that don't. alcohol. In his, I got a couple of head. engineers here. It's like fascinating to ask all these questions, man. These are like I'm trying to think of what other things. What I what uh, what would uh, a typical one car garage engineered drawing cost average. And you're all about the numbers, eh? Yeah, no, no, this is great. Uh, these are questions I want because sometimes when I'm going to quote a job, I, I do a verbal quote with my customers for free the first time, but then the second time you pay. So I like, I like to put a round ball figure. So if you guys are saying like, you know, 5,000 bucks or 2,500, then at least no, I know no, in my it's, head. It's under a thousand. Wow. Yeah. It's, well, I'll be calling you guys. Well, no, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> what I'm telling you is that engineering costs are not that high for the peace of okay, mind. So it's a thousand. Just say it's a thousand dollars for you guys. How much will the permit cost me now? Oh, we don't. That's get, a city, man. That's a city. Guys. Depends. So you, you guys we don't, don't build is like don't go fill eight nine grand. Uh, but can I pay you guys to get that permit for me? Or is oh man, that's your job. What's no, it's you? not always. Yes, it yeah. is, man. My my architect gets all that for me. I don't I don't get anything. I don't run around oh, to the city. I love yeah. going to the I'm city. Building, dude. They're like the funniest people there, man. That's that's not our our thing. We don't like going. For so permits. the architect is usually the guy that will get me the permit. The engineer or the GC won't. or the general contractor. A lot of a lot of the projects that we work on, it's the general contractor going to get the permits. Yeah, my. Or even the homeowner. My architect gets everything from me. Yeah, and and there's a there's a there's a fee for that service, right? So <laughs> yeah, but it's either me lose a day and my customers angry that I'm not there because when they hire me they want me there, they don't want my guys there. And then one other thing too is like like Mississauga has their e permits. You can just go apply online. I love it. Technology, man. He's not a big tech guy, yeah. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, it, it took us a while to figure out how to use that whole e service, but once you figure works. it out. Pretty simple. I'll hire someone to do that. <laughs> Time is money, man. If I can make money at what I'm good at, I'd rather have someone else save me money and make money for themselves. That's fascinating. It's called sharing. What's lifting devices? <laughs> what are you guys doing lifting devices? Are you talking about elevators? No. What's in a lifting device? Uh, that would be like on the, in the industrial construction side. So usually it's some sort of rigging, lifting. You know, if they want to have monorails or cranes or stuff installed into the factory. You guys ever had to engineer something just for temporary purposes to build something else? We do yeah. uh, scaffolding too, kind of thing. Really? You'll structurally yeah. engineer scaffolding for some sort of piece of building section of a structure? Yep. Yep. Wow, that's cool. So, that cool. Why? What do you mean why? Because it needs to be done, man. Yeah. <laughs> like removable so. scaffolding? 
Yeah. So we'll design like, say like a water treatment plant. We'll design like some scaffolding so they can bring in beams, steel beams kind of thing. And just for access usually. So, uh, yeah. Carry loads across. Carry okay. Loads. Did one on Bay street, just some scaffolding so they can actually assemble the crane on the roof. They build all the steel. Oh, Are you using what aluminum I beams? Yeah. Oh, I fucking love those though. Yeah. Those are great, man. Seriously. <laughs> man, he's so excited with you guys. I sliced my leg on yeah, aluminum we... I-beam one time, man. That was not great. <laughs> that was bad. not great, man. But they're pretty impressive. They're strong. What, what yeah. were you doing sliding around on it that It was thing? a film shoot, and I was coming off the scaffold, and it was a really sharp cut angle, like I-beam. And I sliced it. Ouch. And I was like, eh, I think I need a Band-Aid for that. And then Did you have two. workers comp? <sighs> <laughs> Listen, went to the hospital, got like 12 stitches, ended up getting a rotary, wow. went right back to work, okay? Holy cow. Yeah, it sliced it open. He's like, that aluminum sharp, man. Whoever cut it, didn't cut it. They didn't sh shave it. They didn't sand File it. it. File it. File it. Sand it, it, round it. But yeah, so that's fascinating you guys do that as well too, man. Yeah, so and a lot of old manufacturing or any manufacturing plants, they're, they're trying to make work safer for the millwrights involved. So, you know, some of these fans and equipment that they need to change and do maintenance on, there's or lift a motor into a place. Yeah. There's no way to do it, uh, and they can't get a crane or anything yeah. or brought us in uh, close enough. So if we'll design a structure just to to uh, to do maintenance on it. Our columns, stone columns, are they already engineered? Like I'm talking about the old buildings here now, right? So the front of Union Station, any building in Washington D.C. You know what I mean? Uh, Greece. You know what I mean? So any of those columns, are they already structural pillars on their own? Or you would have to structurally make the bait? I don't know what I'm trying to get. You know what I'm you're, talking about? You're saying like there might be a core in there. That's... Yeah. Like if you were to do it today, how would you do it today? I know back well, in the day we used slaves and everybody like that and they did it, right? But how do you do it today? Portuguese. <laughs> like when you're doing it today, there's, there's a steel column there. There would be a steel column inside steel the, column. the core. Yeah. All, all stone today is... is has or, to be reinforced. Yeah, it's for for aesthetics, right? So, or block in the inside or, or block. Yeah. yeah, but when you like, you know, see a, a nice stone column up a, a front of a house, there's a steel I beam on there to support the the roof and the loads and all that. That at that, that point, stone, the, the that stone, stone is just sad. it's aesthetic. It's just aesthetic at that point. Yeah, but the older buildings, that's structure. That's actually holding True. something. Yeah, yeah, you just I have know. to follow the cracks. Mm, there aren't cracks, man. You'd be amazed. I've gone close up to them, man. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. I know we're we're looking at doing. Uh, there's an arch in Cambridge that got hit in a car crash, and they have to rebuild it, and it's historic. And so they're building this arch out of the stones, and and uh, they just basically asked us what we would want to do in the inside of it, and we're gonna fill it full of concrete and rebar. Wow, to repair it. To repair it. Yeah, it already had a core to begin with. Of it was fixed. Yeah. Already before. Okay. So we're fixing what, it. Is this a second car crash? What's going on here? That's yeah, at an intersection. It's right oh, on the corner. Okay. Time for some steel poles over. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I want to ask you guys is why do sidewalks move so much? If you guys have this perfected floating slab kind of thing, why do we have sidewalks that move so much, man? You'll see them song and dance angled and then. You know, you know what their fix is, right? The guy from the city will come with some orange fluorescent paint and just paint the edge that's sticking out so you don't trip on it. How can we make a sidewalk better? Well, then if you want to make a sidewalk better, then you're going to put like a, the thickened edge on it. Yeah. And also you can go. So basically the, the uh, Canadian Foundation Manual has charts for like insulation. 
So if you don't want that to go up and down, go into the Canadian Foundation Manual and you like read it off the chart. So the found so the insulation goes out like four or six feet, and that'll keep the frost. The frost has to go underneath that insulation and get to the sidewalk. So what do you do about the grass so it's around the sidewalk? Well, I'm just saying that. It, you, yeah, you would bury the You'd insulation. You taper oh, so, the so you can still put they some do, soil there. They do it in there. condos yeah. all the time. That was the Canadian Foundation book. Yeah, manual. Yeah, manual. Yeah, was that on Amazon? Um, yeah, I can just <laughs> everything's on. Everything's Amazon. Hey, everything's on yeah. Amazon, man. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's just like a technical manual, just like the wood manual, and it'll tell manual. you all these things that you could actually to, to make yeah. those situations better. So yeah. why doesn't the city do that? Cost, cost, cost yeah. yeah. How much more does it? Co- well, doesn't it cost more to repair that every five years or something like that to go yeah, back but in? How is that environmentally friendly when you're sticking plastic in the ground? What the styrofoam? Yeah, it's breaking down. That's true. I see it in basements all the time. I saw guys putting two-inch styrofoam in the basement, then they put plywood on top. Earth you know, will, even if that the, dimple the earth will eat meat, away at it over time. It compresses. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna deteriorate. Well, that's, like that's why they have like the blue SM that's ground rated, right? Okay, that's good for, to know. For, for there you go. Grade. So if I want to do my uh, cottage sidewalk to the road, and I'm doing a four-foot sidewalk, what are you suggesting? Two feet or four feet past the sidewalk? Or are you saying six Dos. feet past the sidewalk? Depends on where your cottage is. How yeah. far north are you going? Prince Edward County. Cold. So in the, in the Canadian manual, it actually gives uh, cities kind of thing, and it tells you how far it has to go. I'm going to check that out. That's pretty but, cool. Yeah. But yeah, we are doing a cottage and the sidewalk and all that, and it all has insulation underneath it and thicker and all that. I mean, like if that. you're already at that point, why might as well put some radiant heat in there? <laughs> I'm, I'm going back to water now. You guys ever did any big aquariums in people's homes or offices or barns? Well, no. we've done like water holding tanks. Yeah. Water Cisterns. holding tanks. Cisterns and Mennonite houses and stuff. Yeah. That and then also like the wastewater. Sorry, what in a Mennonite house? Cisterns. A lot of them want some cisterns still. You need an engineering drawing for that? The city wants it. Yeah. Like how do, water, you, how do you do the water holding tank? Yeah, it's yeah. a water holding tank. This must really frustrate the Mennonites, eh? Yeah. Having to have all this paperwork. And then like the other time, it's the stormwater management tanks. So we engineer those as well. So when you're engineering that, you're just engineering for water load? And soil load sometimes for those tanks. Okay. They put soil on top. They put soil on top. And they can run equipment on top. So Right. Okay. Yeah. So. I've, I've usually seen them like turn into like, Guys will leave the lids and make a garden area in there. That way you can kind of access them. So actually, I want to get into a cistern too. I, I, I heard the costs aren't the greatest, but in the long haul, I guess during the, some, some of the summers in you know, Belleville and so on, it's nice to have water stored, right? Also get into like water storage tanks for firefighting. Commercial businesses in rural locations need to have so much water storage. Telling you, man, water's heavy. And now we're not doing like the old Nabisco Christie's tower where there's water on a tower and then gravity feeds it. No, we're not right. doing so that anymore, right? It's a buried tank with a hydrant, dry hydrant hooked up to it. And these it. are all concrete holding tanks? Yeah, they usually, or like you can buy precast ones or, or, uh, or tanks to do it as well. Yeah. There's just different options to do it. Or, um, so we get into to that. You guys ever get into the cantilever pools, man? In these, some of these wow. condos and shit? Dude, you're taking it to another <laughs> level here. I'm, I'm starting no. to see these things, That's man. outside of our scope. That's, That's outside, outside of your scope there, That's huh? Scope, yeah. That's the it's, glass it's engineer. It's not outside your scope. You just don't want to do it yet. <laughs> you guys don't want to take that responsibility? Everyone no. has their niches that they like. and I love condos. and uh, I've, I don't. I've, I've had a few 
condo owners ask me, Hey, can you take that concrete wall out? And I'm like, yeah, I can. <laughs> but first of all, we got to pass it with the management. Is that something you guys have ever done or would do? Not on a condo. No. Well, Cause those on. walls are designed a certain way for structure, right? No, but you can remove them. I know that many people have removed them. Uh, really? Yeah. I'd be nervous about that. No. What would be the process on that? A healthy concrete saw. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I like where you're going already, Manny. <laughs> yeah. So there was a, on Instagram, there was, uh, I guess it must have been Miami. It looked like it was Florida, Miami. Uh, there's a guy holding a guy on, like, it looked like a, a painter's a ladder. And it's a beautiful high-rise building. And there's a column on the corner. And he's jackhammering the column on the corner and there's like <laughs> oh. 20 balconies connected to it and it's down to like the 25 mil rebar and i'm just like i'm watching and i'm like it's gonna collapse it's gonna collapse and there's chunks coming off like 14 stories down <laughs> he doesn't have anything like caution tape nothing it's like some some idiot up there i'm like are you removing that because it's like aesthetically not pleasing <laughs> There's some crazy people doing stuff. So oh, yeah. what, what's one of the craziest things you've ever seen someone do, homeowner or contractor? This is basically whatever their imagination is and if it's feasible. <laughs> yeah. And if you have the money for it. No, no, uh, no. I'm saying like, oh, like bad-wise, like bad that wise? they shouldn't oh. have been doing. Oh, I thought you meant like, like a horror story. I thought you meant like the, the fancy like. I'm, yeah, I'm the going towards stuff. death right now. The fancy yeah. death. <laughs> death. <laughs> I've seen where they had like old uh, stone buildings and then through time they put the rods through. But they put the rods through to keep the walls from kicking out. With the epoxy and, and stuff like that? Uh, just like as a temporary fix. They put oh. the, the rod all the way through and you see it, you see it on old buildings. They keep yeah. the walls in. Yeah. Well, they just went along and started cutting them, and all of a sudden the walls started going out. And they're like, "What? Well, how did that happen?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> like but, it's true. Like, well, who's got this mindset that that they think that this is a good idea? Yeah, I uh, I watched someone cut away rafters. Sorry, um, Joyce, uh, studs, windows, doors. I'm having a brain fart sheathing, right now. <laughs> drywall, roofing. The cross braces. So there was a uh, there was a ridge oh, the beam. Oh, the collar ties. Yeah, collar the collar ties. ties. I saw someone uh, laminating, and while he was laminating, he was removing those. And I he had a slate roof, and I saw. No. I literally saw this. No. And it opened up like stop, stop! <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, "Holy cow! What just happened?" I was like, "You're gonna lose your roof, dude! It's gonna cave in." Like yeah. I saw it wanting to kick. Like I could see the bottom of the roof actually wanting to go out. So I guess uh, guys just don't. Like they just don't think common sense. Eh? Like if you yeah. remove this or you remove how about that, strap it first and then remove it? <laughs> well, you always like overkill. I've removed walls before, but you overkill the shit out of both sides, and then you remove it. Then you put the beam inside. Like you got to do it a certain way. You just like things will fall down, man. That's just how it is. Yeah, a lot of guys just take risks, and you see it all the time. You know when guys are you know putting shingles on and they have the bundles stacked in one spot. Uh. Oh, you know, <laughs> that or, or even under construction when, you know, they're, they're in a hurry to take all the temporary bracing out of something to move on to something else without putting permanent bracing in and then getting caught. People take risks until they get caught and then they, they hopefully learn from them, right? Yeah. This has been fun, man. I could ask you guys a thousand more questions. Then ask. Like, <laughs> but no, I'm just like, I, I, it's getting late, man. It's totally getting late. So uh, I think that's it, man. Unless you got any other questions to ask. No, I'm, I'm pretty uh, rounded up. You're pretty rounded up. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. Yeah, so thanks for having us. That was uh, Atwell Dell Engineering and Triple W Dell Engineering. Nope. ENG. 
just E-N-G. Google Waddell Engineering. Exactly. So W-A-D-D-E-L-L-E-N-G.com. Correct. Yep. And you can find them on all kinds of social media, but not Tinder. And reach out to them if you guys need any kind of engineering. What? You're on Tinder still. All right. So Explain stupid. that one to your <laughs> I've wife. I've never even been on Tinder. <laughs> Not unless it's for contractors. Honestly, Brian and Larry, this, thank you very much for coming, man, making the trek out. And honestly, man, this is, uh, hopefully, hopefully all the younger guys, they, or even the older guys, they got at least a nugget or two out of this one, man. I got dozens of nuggets, man. <laughs> so I love this stuff. I love engineers. I'm telling you, I love talking to you guys and just figuring out stuff. And, and I always take your cue over a client, like a client or an architect, man, because you guys are the ones who are taking all the liability, <laughs> right? So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Carlito. Are we going to make this one a short one or a long oh, no. one? <laughs> make it a long one, man. Get us out of here. A boom, boom. Thank you very much. Tune in next week when we have another show. We actually are bringing in a Toronto building inspector. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be very interesting. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Out of here. Oh, yeah. And one more time. 416. (laughs) Dio.